Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. If you're joining us online, you're probably already sitting down on your couch or on your dinner table. If it's eerie, you might be outside because it's like 75 degrees. Come on, somebody. Outside. All right. Maybe the 9 o'clock service will be a little bit more rambunctious about our beautiful weather outside. Come on. There we go. I mean, we only get like four months to talk about the weather, right? At least this kind of weather. Hey, I want to welcome you guys here today. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Will. I have the honor to serve as one of our pastors here at Elevate. And we are in a series, if you're joining us maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been with us over these last few weeks, but we're in a series called Discovering Jesus. And, and as we do every single weekend, if you miss one, you can always go back and listen, right? It, it's not like church 25, 30, 40 years ago before I was born. Like, you can go back and listen again. Thank you, technology, right? But over this series called Discovering Jesus, we've done just that. We've been discovering who Jesus is. We kicked it off with the foundation saying that Jesus is God. And without that as the foundation, without that as the rock, then the, none of this matters. And so we just declared and we said that Jesus is God. We've also looked that Jesus, he's the miracle worker, that he is a miracle worker. We also looked in week three that Jesus is the friend of sinners. And we discovered through the story of Nicodemus and the grace that was given to him through that, that Jesus was not just a friend of the righteous, but he was a friend of sinners. And last weekend, obviously, Easter at Elevate, we talked about Jesus, the resurrection, and the life. And this series has been absolutely incredible. And so as we wrap up today, I'm excited to share with you, but we wrap up today. And I just want to tell you this, if you're joining us today for the first time, again, you can go back and listen, but don't miss out next week because next week we kick off a brand new series. And so we're telling you this now so you can get in on the ground floor as we dive into a brand new series called Joy Jitsu, as we look into the fighting for joy in our lives in every season, no matter what's going on, that we can have joy. And so I would encourage you to come back with us next week to be a part of that. Invite some friends, invite some family to be with you. So we're talking today, and we've been looking at this foundational scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about Jesus, and we've been talking about who Jesus is and what he did, Christ crucified. Who Jesus is and what he, he did. And so as we wrap up this series, I have a question to ask you. Have you ever given somebody a gift? Have you ever, like, maybe it was Christmas, maybe it was their birthday, and you were so pumped up, you were fired up about this gift you were giving your friend. Or maybe it was your spouse or whatever it may be, right? You're giving this gift, and you're pumped up, and they open it up, right? If you're me, it's like in a bag with like a half a piece of tissue paper because I'm not that great at wrapping gifts, I'll be honest, but I try. And so you, you've given this gift, and they get it, and they open it up, and you're like, on the inside, your heart's palpitating, you're pumped up, right? Because there's a gift that you gave and they're opening up and they open it up and they're like, oh, this is nice, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, they said it was nice. I'm pumped up and excited now, right? So you're excited. Maybe you go home if you're at the party together and you're like, honey, they love the gift. Did you see that, right? And then like maybe a week later, a few weeks later, a few months later, you're like, hey, hey how was the gift? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah that, that was nice. And it's sad, right, when you realize that they never actually used it. 
right? Like this happened to me personally. So I'm actually telling you a personal story. I got my wife, Kelsey, a, a bedside caddy, which sounds nice, right? What's a bedside caddy? It's this thing you like put, I don't even know, underneath like the mattress thing. And it, what's it do? It's supposed to like hold your book and your, like your pens and all the stuff you use, right? All the stuff there. It, it didn't really work that well. I think I found it at Ollie's. Shout out, shout out Ollie's. But she's like, this is nice. But it's a gift that she might have used twice. I don't even think it held a pencil. Like it would, couldn't do much. And it comes to find out, I was asking her about it. This is like, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe. I'm like, hey, what'd you ever do with the bedside caddy? Like maybe I could use it for this. And she's like, I gave it away. I'm like, oh my gosh, you gave a gift I gave you? And I don't know if you're in the room, but she gave it to somebody in the church. Like, so, oh. And you're probably like, okay, how, do we, how does this have anything to do with the scripture we just read? And I'm gonna try to figure that out as we go. But sometimes we give gifts and sometimes we receive gifts and we don't even know why, right? Like, we're like, why did you think of me with a bedside caddy, right? Or like, whatever it may be. I remember I was like 13, I got a, a mag flashlight one time. I'm like, I'm 13 years old, I want like other stuff. I don't need a flashlight, what am I gonna do with this massive thing, right? Anyways, last week was Easter. And Easter changed everything. We talked about that, it absolutely changed everything. And we're gonna look at this account that we already read this morning from John of the morning of, of, of the Sunday that changed the world. And along the way, we're gonna discover some truths together. We're gonna discover some gifts together. Some gifts maybe that we think we have and some gifts maybe that have been given to us that we didn't even know we have. We're gonna discover the truth and how, how God's actually inviting us into this gift partnership together today in this crazy world, right, that we're living in. It's, it's more chaotic maybe than we've ever could have even asked or imagined about. There's so many people that are crying out for peace. So many people that are crying out for justice. There's so many people that are crying out for, for all these things, for the wrong things to be made right. And the thing that we're looking for, the thing that we, we've been like desiring for is actually this word that the, the Jewish uh, people call shalom. If you've ever been to Israel, some of you have, you hear it all the time, shalom, shalom, right? Peace, peace is what that, that word is translated to in English. And some of, sometimes for us, we can translate something into English, but it actually doesn't, it, it means more than just peace, like we think of peace as what? Like this is a definition some people would use is the absence of conflict or trouble. Now that sounds nice. That sounds like peace. But the word shalom actually means a little bit deeper than that. It's, it's inviting us into, Jesus is inviting us into a deeper uh, meaning of peace. It's bigger than just the absence of conflict or trouble. The, the peace that I'm talking about, this shalom that we're talking about, is joining together with God in humanity, the, the one who created all creation in justice and in fulfillment and goodness. Shalom is, is literally the presence of God. It's his reign and rule here on earth as it is in heaven. Shalom, easily put, is the way things are supposed to be. 
the way that God designed them to be, the way that he intended them to be. In all, all of us, one way or the other, sometimes consciously, a lot of times subconsciously, we all actually understand exactly what that looks like. We have this inner desire to know what, how things should be. And through the life, the death, and the resurrection, as we discover who Jesus is today, I believe that all of us are going to, to learn how we can partner with Jesus, how we can partner with God into bringing this shalom, this, this peace that's into our, or we can bring that into our chaotic world and we can use it to make a difference. Now, we're gonna look at a scripture that I, we just read together through John. I wanna give you a little bit of context to this because maybe if you're new here, you don't really maybe know this story or, or whatever, um, but this is, so Jesus, he was crucified, he was buried, and on the third day, he resurrected. And people, the disciples, went to the tomb, and the tomb was empty. They showed up, they found out the tomb was empty, the stone was rolled away, the covering that was, was, was covering the entrance was the stone, it was rolled away. And on first instinct, they did not celebrate the fact that Jesus had risen. In fact, they didn't really understand it, even in that time frame. They thought their first instinct was that somebody stole the body, that somebody maybe moved it, that something happened. It wasn't that there was this Jesus who was risen as we know now, it was that what happened to the body. And so these disciples, these uh, followers of Christ who were there, they were expecting Jesus and the body to be where it was at. Why? Because what they knew is that if somebody dies, they stay dead. They, they stay dead. And so after they investigate Jesus' male followers and his disciples, and this is all just before the scripture that we started to read in, in John chapter 20, Jesus' male followers, his disciples, they left. They went back to where they were staying, but some of the female followers stayed. And that's where we picked up in the story. And Mary... Uh, Mary Magdalene, she stayed behind, and as we read, she goes to the tomb, what? She gets questioned by the angels, and then she goes to leave, and she sees somebody who we now know as Jesus, but she did not recognize him. And in verse 15, John chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus posed these questions that I wanna ask you today. It says, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked, and who are you looking for? Now think about this question that Jesus is asking her. He's like, why are you crying? Why are you mourning? Why are you, you so sad and just downtrodden? Like, why, why? You knew what was going to happen. Why are you still stuck in the past? Who is it that you are, are looking for? And Mary, she obviously reply, replied that she thought somebody took Jesus. She thought he was the gardener and thought somebody had taken Jesus. And so what we discover right away is that Mary actually was looking for the old life of Jesus. She was looking for the, who, she, who he thought or she thought he was going to be. And she was looking for like this body that was there. But, but Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Who are you looking for? Why are you crying? She was looking for the old life of Jesus. But what we can learn through this passage and through this story is that Jesus is actually inviting us into the first thing I want you to take notes on tonight is a new life, a new life. Stop looking for the old life. Let's look for the new life because of who he is and what he did, we can have new life, meaning the old life is gone. There's a new life. The Bible tells us that we are a new creation 
in Christ. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I gave my life to Christ and I still got those extra 20 pounds. I still don't have the six pack. And I'm just talking about myself. I still don't have the six pack, right, that I used to have. Uh, you know, like maybe your hair's a little bit different now. Like maybe all these different things, right? You're like, what do you mean it's new? No, 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 I'm still the old me. No, the Bible tells us that we are a new creation in Christ. And a new creation and new life looks like this. The same situations and circumstances might be going on in your life, but you don't need to be held back from them anymore. That you can be set free, that the chains of your past, hey, you might have some, some things that have happened. You might have some consequences of maybe decisions that have happened in the past that are still going to be around, but you don't have to be held down from them anymore. That the chains can be completely broken because of this new life that you can have and that you do have as a follower of Christ with him. Jesus is inviting us into this, this new life that you can move forward. Look what, what Jesus responds back with after Mary says what she was looking for. She was looking for this old life. He responds back in, chapter, in verse 16. He says, Mary, Mary. Now you're like, okay, cool, that's her name. You think about this. Jesus could have said anything, but he called her name. And that's personal. That's, that's intentional. That's like, so she can hear that and say, hey, that's me. That's who he has called me to be. If you know the story of Mary, he called her name when he set her free from the demons that were holding on to her life. And so it's another picture of him saying, hey, I want to be friends with you. I want a relationship with you. And although his appearance may have been hidden, the voice of her name was unmistakable as he called out to her. And he said, Mary. It's this relationship, and I think it's a relationship, and it's a, a thing that he's saying to you tonight. Whether you're in the room or at home, I think he's saying, hey, Chris, hey, Joe, new life. I'm calling you out from the old place, and I know you want to stay there because it's comfortable, but I'm calling you to something greater. I'm calling you to greater things. Jesus calls you before you ever call on him. He's inviting us into that. And then when he calls on you, same thing happens like it happened with Mary. You recognize who he is and what he did. And it's not just that you would have a new life. Jesus didn't just stop just to give us a new life. He continued on and, and gave us power as we look through in the scriptures. In John 20 and verse 19, so just jumping ahead in the story. Since that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors, and don't miss this, because they were afraid. If you've got your Bible or a highlighter or something, write that down. Because they were afraid, or highlight that, circle it, make note of it. They were afraid of what? The Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And he says, peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them with the wounds of his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Think about this. The disciples, what were they? They were afraid. They were fearful. They had this new life that they didn't really realize. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders who might come to them and might come and try to do exactly what they did to Jesus just a few days earlier and beat them and maybe crucify them and hang them on a cross as well. They had no idea. They were afraid of their lives. And what does Jesus do? He shows up 
And because he showed them his wounds of his hands and his side, as a new creation of new life, they were what? Filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And so in this scripture, we can learn that not only does Jesus give us new life, but he gives us a new hope, a new hope. They went from fear-filled to to joy-filled. There was a new hope. And you might say, well, wait a minute, didn't they have hope before? Like they were with Jesus for, for all those years and they were, were learning, they, they saw miracles and blind eyes were open and the deaf could hear and the lame could walk and they fed 5,000 plus people with a Lunchable, like all those things. What do you mean there was no hope? They lost it. They lost that hope when they looked at the empty tomb and thought that somebody had stolen it. But Jesus said the empty tomb actually declares new hope for your life. It's a hope that you can't lose anymore. It's a hope that's there. Jesus, through his resurrection, his life, gives them this new hope. And it's not just a a same old, same old kind of hope. It's a living hope. He stood there. And what did he do? He showed the wounds of his hands and of his side. And in other gospels, other accounts of Jesus' life, it says that they ate together. And the reason why they ate together is he's saying, hey, this is, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a person. I'm fully God, but hey, there, this is not just like some ghost that's standing here. I can eat with you. You can touch my wounds. This is a living hope. It's a hope that carries on and goes on. It's a hope that does not change. It's a hope that changes you because the resurrection that transforms your life, that begins to shape you into understanding the new hope that Jesus has given us. As we discover who Jesus is, we see that he's given us new life and he's given us a new hope. They went from fear-filled to joy-filled, from overwhelmed to overjoyed from, to being so happy and seeing what was going on. Like this is the Lord. They were pumped up. It's a new life. It's new hope. So we continue to learn together in verse 21. It says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. And you're like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? So we have been called. This is what he's given us now. He's given us new life. He's given us new hope. And he's given us a new calling. This is the life after Jesus. After he died and was resurrected, the life marked by Jesus through those 40 days that he was still on earth before he ascended to heaven represents new life. It represents new hope. And it represents a new calling. So he says, I am sending you. Because I've been sent, I'm now sending you meaning we've got a job to do. We've got a mission to accomplish. We have a purpose for living. We're part of this great commission to reach the ends of the earth that God's inviting us into. The life of Jesus is inviting us into a new way and a new partnership, a new calling that we can declare the peace that we talked about earlier over a chaotic world because it's a new calling. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus is inviting me. He's inviting you into this partnership, into this life that's called, that's living of of who he is. You've been called to bring peace to a chaotic world. So the question is, 
So as the, actually, as the associate pastor here, I get an opportunity to help people take their next step. And so a lot of that is just having questions about, hey, where are you at with your relationship with Jesus? And sometimes they don't have a relationship with Jesus, so that's the starting point. And then we just continue to move on from there. Well, I've given my life to Christ, and I want to start doing this. I want to start doing that. And we start going through, and people are like, I just don't know what I'm called to do. I feel like I've got a higher calling. I just don't know how to discover it. And if some of us have had this conversation, and so here's the questions, and these are going to be familiar to you. How do we figure out what our calling is? These are the four questions that I would ask you, and I would encourage you to think of these for yourself tonight as well. What are you good at? What do you love? What does the world need? And what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What are you good at? What do you love? What does the world need? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you picture that as like a bunch of circles where all, and they're kind of like overlapping, that center part where they're all overlapping, that's a great place to start. So if the thing that you are good at and the thing that you love and the thing that the world needs and the thing that you knew you would do if you couldn't fail, if that all comes into a spot, that's a great place to begin to figure out what on earth am I actually here for? Who, who have I been called to be? I love the words the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot in the New Testament, says to the church of Ephesus, where he says this in Ephesians 4.1. He says, as prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. I urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have received. The calling that you've received, let's live a life that's worthy of that calling. What have we been called to do? Well, we have to discover that, but we've also been called to know God and to make God known. All of our purposes can be wrapped up into to that phrase right there, to know God and to make God known. That's what we've been called to do. But how do we do that? We look at those questions that I just mentioned. Your calling is gonna give you a vision. Your vision is going to give you direction. And your direction is going to give you the area of the place that you can take the next step into. What a lot of people get hung up on is they're like, oh, okay, I know what I'm called to do. Well, I'm just gonna wait on the Lord until the time comes. I think God wants us to take a step in, in the direction anyway. It might not be 25 feet down the road. It might just be one small step. And one small step might start to reveal more about how God has designed you. And your design is gonna point to your destiny. And so you're gonna discover and figure out what that looks like. It helps you continuously move forward as you understand what this new calling is that Jesus is calling us into. And that's why we do things like Crash Course, by the way, is to help you discover like who God has designed you to be. And you might say, well, no, no, no. I know I'm supposed to preach the word. Awesome. You can start small with Crash Course. But you're like, no, no, no. That doesn't even look like anything I want to do. Yeah, yeah. But you can start small with doing something like Crash Course. But I want to impact thousands and thousands of people. Well, you might want to start impacting one. And then when you impact one, you might start impacting two. And God's a God of multiplication. So next thing you know, you're going to have six people in front of you. Next thing you know, you're going to have 25 people in front of you. But you've got to start somewhere. We can't get hung up on what we want it to be when God's just calling us to move forward in one step as we discover what our direction is, as we discover what it is that is happening. 
There's a, a story of a Christian college professor down in Texas. And he, he says, it was after class one day. Um, he asked one of his students to stay behind and everybody leaves. And he's like, hey, hey we'll, we'll call him Jimmy because I don't know his actual name. We'll call the student Jimmy. He says, hey, Jimmy, on the next test, I'm gonna give you an A. I'm gonna give you an A. Next test, we haven't taken it yet, I'm gonna give you an A. So the student's a little bit confused. Jimmy's confused because he hasn't taken it yet. But the professor said this. He says, no matter how well you perform, I'm going to give you an A. All I ask is you do whatever work you feel is worthy of that grade. Do whatever work you feel is worthy of the A. Meaning, hey, don't slack off. Don't, don't wait until the test comes and then just do one of the, okay, got it, right? I mean, that's all I got through school, but don't do that, right? <laughs> like, can you imagine that? If you were a student, if you are a student in the room, maybe if your boss tells you this, hey, I'm gonna give you a raise, no matter how you do on that project. Just work hard that would wor be worthy of that raise. How would you respond? How would you enter into that next day? How would you enter into that next week of, of work? Would you just put it off and say, well, I'm gonna get the raise anyways? Or would you go and do something that's worthy of it? What we need to understand is that we've been given gifts and it's not a bedside caddy. There we go, I figured it out. We're here. It's not a bedside caddy. It's a gift. Wow. It's a gift of life. It's a gift of purpose. It's a gift of meaning. And Paul says, I urge you to live a life that's worthy of that gift, worthy of the call, worthy of the life and the call that you have received. So the question is, will you choose to live a life worthy of the call that you've received? Hey, you might get to heaven, but is that it? Is that all that's there? You might get the A, but is that it? You might get the raise, but are you just gonna slack off or are we gonna continuously move forward the life of Jesus as we discover who Jesus is? He's God. He's a miracle worker. He's a friend of sinners. He's the resurrection in the life. And the resurrection in life looks like new, a new life. It looks like new hope. It looks like a new calling. And the last thing that we can see here in verse 22, it says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not about to get all spooky and kooky up in here, okay? But the Holy Spirit, you need to know, is the very presence of God. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, hey, as you've received me, you receive the Holy Spirit. Meaning, as you welcome me in, you are also welcoming in the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was, was depicted as uh, pillars of fire and clouds, like all these different types of things. But the life of Jesus, as you enter into a relationship with Jesus and you accept that new life, that Holy Spirit now dwells in you. That you have the very presence of God working in and through you now. It's not just that you have new life and new hope and new calling, but the life of Jesus is also giving you this. He's giving you a new potential. He's giving you new potential. You might be like, why is it potential? I don't want it to be potential. If I'm going to get something, I want it to be something gr greater than just potential. Now, I'm not, I never went to school for physics, but I had a physics roommate in Edinburgh. Come on, Fighting Scots. 
And there's this thing called potential energy. You probably know this. Some of you are probably like much smarter than me, so you know what this is. But I had to look up the Merriam-Webster Dictionary to remind myself of what it is. But it's energy that a piece of matter has because of its position or nature, or position or nature or because of arranged arrangement of parts. So we look at it this way, right? For all the people that are like me in the room, potential energy is like if you have a bow and arrow and you pull that bow back, you stretch it all the way back, and now all the archer, our archery people, hunters are like, that's not how you hold a bow? Okay. <laughs> you pull the bow back. This point that you pulled it back to is the point of potential energy. Obviously, you have to release, release it, and that turns into kinetic energy. Come on, somebody. And that thrusts, Google, <laughs> it thrusts. It thrusts it forward, but that's the potential energy. You can picture of it this, if you're in construction, it's the wrecking ball at the furthest point before it makes its way to blast through the building. The life of Jesus, as we see, is also giving us the same kind of potential. He gives us this new potential, this new energy, this new strength, but it's potential. It's been unlocked to you, but you have to unleash it. You have to do something with it. You can pull it back. And you're in the pulled back position, but you have to also let it go. Because much like the bedside caddy wasn't a gift that Kelsey actually could use. It wasn't a gift that she actually wanted. I gave her the gift because I thought it would make her feel good. But the thing is that God gives us gifts because he knows what we need them. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's what exactly we need. The Holy Spirit's what we need because we can't do it on our own. It's the God. It's the advocator. It's the one who, who speaks on our behalf. When we don't even know what to pray for, it's speaking to the Father for us. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And this, the potential is realized when you use it, when you use it. See, the gift that is given to you is not up to you. You receiving it is up to you. You using it is up to you. The impact that it's made is not up to you. It's just up to you to use it. It's up to you to receive and to use it. You go serve in the community, it's not up for them. It's up for you to, to use the gifts that God has given you, to live a life worthy of the calling that you've been, been given. God will make the impact on the back end. Because how many of you know, just because you've got something, doesn't mean you're using it. It's, it's tucked back, sitting away. And hey, you've got something. You've got the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. If you've called on the name of Jesus and declaring him as Lord and Savior, it's there. You've got to use it. You've got to go and, and, and stir, stir it up. Because if you don't, you can come and you can be in this kind of mountaintop Easter experience that we had last week and worship was awesome and all this stuff and baptisms. Maybe you got baptized. Somebody else you know got baptized. And it's so amazing and it's pumped up and you're like, whoa, you're awesome. And Sunday is great. But Monday comes and maybe you're still riding a little bit of that, that experience, but things start to settle. And if you don't stir it up, next thing you know, you have it, but it's just like you don't even have it because you don't even see it moving and working and speaking in your life. You've got to stir it up. Well, what does it look like to stir it up? It looks like getting into God's word on a daily basis. It looks like jumping into something like Crash Course and beginning to serve 
getting into a small group so you can be challenged, you can be held accountable, you can, you can get around life with other people. You gotta start stirring it up. You gotta start praying, fasting, living generously with your time, your treasures, your talents. And you're like, man, that's hard work. Yeah, it is. It's not fun waking up early just to read the Bible. It's not, it's easier to sleep in. It's easier to eat all the time and not fast. It's a lot easier. But it doesn't stir your spirit up. It doesn't allow you to use the potential that God has has given you. So when we come to church and we worship together, and we don't just think about how talented our musicians are, hey, they are, but we're worshiping God and calling him who he is. Worship is worry in reverse. It's saying, hey, God, I know I can focus on all these things that are bad. I can focus on all these things. I lost my job. I can focus on all that. But in this moment, I'm gonna choose to worship you. And worship doesn't allow you to focus on the worry anymore because you're worshiping and focusing on who God is. And that's what worship does. That's what we have. And that right there will stir your spirit. It'll help you get into it. Maybe you look at the scriptures that we looked at today and it helps you dive into that a little bit more. It's stirring your spirit. But don't let your spirit get stirred only on Saturday night or Sunday morning. It's gotta be part of everything that we do. He gives us a gift, not because he thinks we're gonna like it. He gives us these things because he knows we need it. We need new life. We need a new hope. We need new calling. And we need a new potential. And that's what Jesus does. As we stir it up inside of us, as we dive into all the things that he's called us to do so we can live a life that's worthy of the calling that he has given us. So we don't just slack off because we know we got the A, we know we got the race, but we're gonna work for it regardless, no matter what happens. Would you bow your heads and pray with me tonight? God, we come before you, we thank you. We thank you for the new hope. Father, we thank you for new life. Thank you for a new calling. God, we thank you for this new potential that we have. The power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you've given us, that you've literally breathed into us as we've come before you, Father. I pray for all of us in this room and online that we would come before you, that we would live a life that's worthy of the calling that you've given us. God, that you would show us ways this week. God, we don't want to wait anymore. Would you show us ways tonight to stir our spirit more so it doesn't settle? God, we don't want to settle for, for anything less than you. And so God, we come before you and we just ask God that you would reveal to us the next step that we need to take. The next step. God, would you speak to us? Would you give us wisdom and decisions? Would you give us discernment? Would you give us revelation of your word, God, to us again in a new way? And God, as we pray tonight, I know that there are those people in this room, God, and people that are joining us online that this new life, this new life that they can have in Christ that they've never They've never received that. They've never entered into this relationship and the fact that you would call them by name, that there are people in this room and online that they maybe have 
heard their name called but didn't know it was you. And tonight, for the very first time, they want to enter into this relationship with you. If that's you in the room, I want to give you some language you can do in just a few moments. But the life of Jesus, this Jesus that we've been talking about, is, is a beautiful life. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world, that he so loved you, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who lived this perfect and sinless life. Not to say, hey, you don't have it all together, stay out. But he lived it so that way you could come in, that you wouldn't have to pay for the sins anymore. And as he was betrayed, as he was beaten, as he was crucified, he bore your sins and my sins. And he was buried, but then three days later, he was resurrected. And because of that, for all those who call on the name of Jesus, who confess him as Lord and Savior, that we can be set free. So if tonight you've never accepted a relationship with Jesus before in this room, maybe you're online, you've never accepted a relationship with Jesus, that he has been there, he's been calling you, and you are now ready to receive it. I wanna give you some language of a prayer that you can pray to enter into this new life, that you can start there and you can understand what a new hope and your new calling and your potential may look like. You could pray something as simple as this. You can say it out loud. You can whisper it to yourself. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you believe it. You can say something as simple as this. God, I know that you love me and I know that I've sinned and I'm sorry. I'm not perfect, but I believe in your perfect son, Jesus. Jesus, today, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And from this moment forward, Jesus, I turn from my sins and instead I turn and I choose to follow you with all that I am. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate? Tonight, you just made the best decision of your life to enter into this new life to understand what your new hope and your new calling and your new potential may be as a church. If you just prayed that prayer with me just a moment ago, whether you're online or here in the room, we wanna give you some resources to help you discover that. And so we would just ask that you let us know of a decision that you made. You can text us, you can scan the QR code, all the information's on the screen. You can come down front here in just a moment. We're gonna have our prayer team and that's for anybody. If there's anything that you would, would like prayer for, our prayer team is available for you. Uh, to pray with you, to help you, and to guide you along and, and whatever it is that God maybe is putting on your heart tonight. So they'll be down up front here in just a moment. It's been awesome learning together with God's word from every single one of you. I can't wait to see you back here next week for Joy Jitsu. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Saturday night. We'll see you back here next week. God bless. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.